you had the slitter in your hand. You were standing on the goal line. All you had to do was hand pass it into the back of the net. How are you doing, by the way? It's Monday's programme at the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford, the 28th of February, 2022, the last day of winter. It is, believe me, it is. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, you can put it down to delirium. I haven't really been to bed. The old Madra, Madra being Guelga for dog. The Madra Og, meaning young dog, as Guelga, has had terrible diarrhea. I've been up all night long. I really have. So delirium is kicking in. That's going to be my excuse for whatever passes for the next two hours of radio. Welcome. Uh, Dr. Jane Dunnigan, lovely lady, uh, was on this programme about a year and a half ago. Uh, Jane is a retired GP, very, very clever lady. She's coming back on today to talk about a number of things. Would you believe last August more than 100 doctors wrote to the government and to the Department of Health and they said, listen... They said you ignored the hundreds, if not thousands, of doctors and scientists who said that lockdown would do great harm. And you gave no thought whatsoever to the long-term effects of lockdown. That was last August. The Telegraph has put a Freedom freedom of Information request in with the SPY-M committee, the government SPY-M committee, and it has found the Telegraph that the government moved ahead with lockdown even though it didn't have any evidence whatsoever that lockdown would be effective and it didn't have any evidence it wouldn't be harmful. We'll talk to Dr Jane Dunnigan about that. We'll talk about vaccinating children and much more. And I'll be talking Ukraine-Russia with Garod O'Colmon in hour two. Garod is an Irishman living in France. He is a very, very good writer. And he, well, he'll be providing some pretty sharp analysis as he sees it as to what's going on in Ukraine. Dr. Jane Dunnigan, Gerardo Colmon, that's your Monday programme. And you can join in via the website, richieallen.co.uk. Send me a message, top of the page, where it says comment live. I'm an insomniac anyway. So when, I, I mean, I get three, four hours, most nights, three anyway. But to have basically zero. Yeah, I'm, I'm running on empty. Are you whinging? Are you, Baldy? Are, are you whin- I'm not. I'm not whinging at all. Actually, I'm in good form right now. I'm, I'm worried about making technical mistakes. That's the only thing. I wouldn't drive right now if I was me. The old doggy up all night with the old diarrhoea. That's what happens with young doggies sometimes. Improvise, adapt and overcome, dear boy. Get on with it. So what the hell is going on in Ukraine, eh? Uh, no, I mean it, by the way. Help me out here because I don't know. Like I said, Gerard will have some pretty sharp analysis later on. But help me out. Why hasn't the Russian president, why hasn't the Russian government, its military, taken over Ukraine? I'm glad they haven't, by the way, because the loss of life would be horrific. What does Russia want to achieve? Who's pulling the strings of Vladimir Putin? Is he acting autonomously? Probably not. These are questions. Rhetorical? No, these are real questions. Is Vladimir Putin, as controlled as we believe Western politicians are, is he as controlled 
by the same gangsters, by different gangsters, what's going to happen? Is it a war of distraction to take our minds off of COVID lockdowns, mandates for jabs, vaccine injuries, of which there are very many? Uh, the destruction of the economy, maybe. Fuel shortages to come, maybe. Maybe. Gas prices, I don't mean gas as in gasoline, my American friends. I mean natural gas. I mean home heating gas. Is it all applied to distract us from that, to blame something for that? Is it the looming technocracy we talk about on this programme, transhumanism? The dawn of centralised, digitalised currencies, which might come about after a massive financial crash? Is the Ukraine crisis part of covering that up somehow? Making, making the Ukraine crisis some sort of patsy for that somehow? Stock markets are in danger around the world, apparently. The FTSE 100, the ruble is being decimated by sanctions from Western governments, from NATO countries. I don't know, you see. Part of me thinks that, that if Russia really wanted to take Kiev, it would have done so. How do I reach that conclusion? Well, I can tell you how I don't reach it. I'm not a military strategist. I don't know very much about how militaries would go about taking over a country. So I'm flying by night here, really. I don't know. Could he have gotten to Kiev by now? Blitzkrieged? Some people won't like the use of that term. Could he have done? And if so, why not? Again, thank God that he hasn't, because thousands of people would have died. What's Russia doing? Why is Russia doing it? Who's controlling it? That's opinion. I don't know, is the answer. You might be surprised. Well, you shouldn't be surprised, because you could fill libraries. You really could. You really could with the things I don't know. I made the point on my website today, the military-industrial complex is thrilled to bits. NATO countries are about to start spending big. Oh, big. Think Dale Winton, supermarket sweep on steroids. Running around with trolleys at British Aerospace, at Raytheon, at Lockheed Martin, stocking up on the most unimaginable, terrifying, disgusting creations that men have ever come up with. Weapons designed to burn people from the inside out. That's what they'll be doing now. You know? Is it true that a population that fears nuclear war is a bit more acquiescent to the authorities and maybe gives up a bit of freedom? I mean, they gave up plenty of freedoms during the COVID scam, didn't they? Will they give up more in time for protection? You know, will they go for the metaverse? Terrified, will they microchip implant social credit in climate lockdowns? Maybe this shyest, you know, maybe, yeah. What was I going to say? Maybe the shite has to be scared out of the populace repeatedly, maybe. Maybe that's one of the ways they will transition to this dystopian, lunatic world they have in mind for us. One of the ways they'll transition to that is by repeatedly scaring the pants off of the world. Because a terrified person, if you're looking at a single person, we know this, we've, we've heard from many psycho analysts from psychotherapists, from psychologists, from psychiatrists over the years. The more scared someone is, the more malleable they become, the more pliable, the more they'll do what you want them to do. But I don't know. You tell me, eight minutes past five. First show of the week, the first show. 
But let's hear the biggest gobshite on British radio, Jimmy O'Brien. Let's get Jimmy's take on it all. Let's get Jimmy's take on everything. Uh, Jimmy openly states that Vladimir Putin was responsible for Trump Brexit, the fact that we won't believe in climate change, and lots of fake news. This is true. Jimmy O'Brien says that Vladimir Putin is solely responsible for the Brexit vote. Because you're stupid. You didn't know what was going on until you opened a Facebook post one day, sponsored by the Kremlin, uh, that told you that little brown men and little Eastern European men and women were coming to take your jobs and you went and voted to leave. That's how stupid you are, according to Jimmy O'Brien. So Putin, responsible for Trump, for Brexit, for fake news, for the fact that we just won't believe in climate change. And because we fell for Vladimir's meddling on social media, Vladimir thought that sacking Kiev would be easy. I'm not making any of this up. Jimmy O'Brien, the wokest presenter on world radio, here saying Vladimir Putin is behind everything that happened in the last decade. What a man! Vlad must be, including the fact we won't believe, as I said, climate change is real and jab hesitancy. Vladimir Putin is responsible for 10 million people in this country turning down the COVID jabs. Here's Jimmy. The idea that objective reality somehow unites us all. And until quite recently, I'd have thought that there was some sort of bedrock of consensus You'd think, you know, out there, that's bonkers. That, that, but everyone knows that's true. Everyone knows that's not true. It's just gone. It's been deliberately dismantled over the last seven or eight years. No, you goon. You absolute motherless goon. There has never been a consensus in humanity on anything. You absolute wretched muppet. There has never been a global consensus on any subject, let alone a political subject or a political opinion or geopolitics. There's never been consensus, ever. This is garbage already. And Vladimir Putin's Kremlin has been in the pilot seat for that dismantling. I I mean, you name it. So Vladimir Putin's government has basically driven a truck through consensus. Because before Vlad, we agreed on everything. We agreed on climate change. We agreed on, I don't know, we agreed on the European Union was a great thing. Yeah, yeah. We, we agreed that the United States should be the police force of the world, yeah? Where the objective, where the dismantling of objective reality. Trump called it fake news when he dis- and alternative facts. Do you remember that? We just, you construct your own false version of reality and turn everything into a, a debate. You know, well, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't, oh, if you don't want to hear other views. I don't want to hear other views if that view is that the moon is made of cheese and the earth is flat. Uh, the old ad hominem, ad hominem, I can't even say it, attack on his own audience. Because we're talking about whether Russia is justified in its seeming paranoia when it comes to NATO and being surrounded by NATO military bases. We're talking about that. We're not talking about the moon being made of cheese and we're not talking about the flat earth. So we're not. This is typical. thing about Jimmy O'Brien, which makes me laugh a lot, is O'Brien probably lights his own farts and giggles like a child and believes that he's an intellectual. This guy is convinced of his own self-worth. Consensus. Here's a bit more of it. Um, he doesn't want to debate with anybody. 
or that climate science isn't real, that the European Union is an enemy of its members' interests. These are not debates. Well, they are debates, of course. If you're living in Greece or Portugal or Spain or Italy, it's certainly up for debate whether or not the European Union is acting against the interests of its member states. O'Brien knows damn well what membership of the European Union did to countries like Greece and Portugal and Spain and Italy. You see, dear listener, the European Union is basically Don Corleone's compound. And what it does, what it did and what it does is, it gives billions of euro to countries that don't have a cat in hell's chance of paying that money back. What happens then? Well, in comes the European Central Bank and says, da-da, we will have your water, we'll have your roads, We'll have your mountains and your grasslands. We'll have your forest trees as well. And in the meantime, you can force austerity on your people, which will kill fucking millions of them. Millions. Now, Jimmy O'Brien knows this shit, but Jimmy O'Brien is a shill. Lord Ho-Ho, I've called this bastard. That's what he is. So you go to Greece and tell people the European Union is good for you. Go and tell Irish people. Irish people are waking up to the European Union now. Here you are, here, here, here's 50 billion euro. Go and build some fucking roads you don't need. Go and build some roads you don't fucking need. And in the meantime, bypass some of the most beautiful towns in Ireland. Some of the most wonderful places. Bypass them. Get roads going straight to Limerick from Cork and to Dublin. Do all of that and then you have to pay us back. But we don't have the money. Because you charged us a fortune and interest on top of all those billions. And you created the billions that have seen here, but you didn't create the interest. We're fucked, we can't pay you. Ha ha! Well, let's create a company called NAMA, the National Assets Management Agency, and let's rape Ireland. That's what the European Union does, Jimmy O'Brien. And as for climate science, it's the greatest hoax in human history. The atmosphere is made up of 0.04% CO2. Only 0.04% CO2. Guess what percentage of that is supposedly made by man? 4% of the 0.04%. It is the greatest hoax in human history. Jimmy O'Brien knows this, but Jimmy O'Brien is a shill. Jimmy O'Brien is your enemy. He is a dangerous man. And there are many like him in the media. That Vladimir Putin is just defending his borders against NATO aggression. These aren't well, he fucking obviously is. On debate. So well, it is a debate. It is. It is. You also know that at the end of the Cold War, supposedly, at the end when the Berlin Wall was being chipped away and people were running off towards... Irish people were flying in to get a bit of the wall for, for to put on the mantelpiece. When all this was going on... Mikhail Gorbachev was promised that NATO wouldn't move an inch further west, excuse me, further east of Berlin. You know this, Jimmy, but you're a liar. Or two sides or opinions, these are blatant, barefaced lies. They're not lies. It's obviously not a lie. I wonder how we can... Do you know, it's, it's funny that when you know what I know, it's even more naive of me to get annoyed by this. But it's because I went through the process properly, with a head of news, with a programme controller, and you would not get away with this. You wouldn't. You'd be off the air before you knew where you were. What the fuck am I doing in the car park? You're off the air, son, because you were lying through your teeth on your programme. We'll send you your stuff in a cardboard box with a taxi back to your house. That's what's happened, son. But not in the mainstream media. You can just say what you want. And they have wound their way 
so far into the consciousness of the West that he thought he'd be able to do this and somehow get away with it. Fantastic. Vladimir Putin has spent 10 years convincing people that Brexit was good, that climate change is not real, that you shouldn't take the jabs. And Vladimir did all of this to lull us all into a false sense of security so that he could then go and invade Ukraine. And I don't know why it's failed so far. I, I, God forbid we engage in premature optimism. Yeah, is there any more of this before we move on? Um, the move to remind us all of his nuclear capabilities at the weekend did two things. It showed us that things are going a hell of a lot worse than he expected, but also that they could get a hell of a lot worse for all of us. than. Let's they just leave Jimmy O'Brien there. It's dreadful stuff, isn't it? Eh? Imagine that. There is no debate. Echoes of Emma Barnett on BBC Radio 5 Live 18 months ago. We don't debate with anti-vaxxers even when they are right. And that's a word-for-word quote. The European Union is a great thing. We don't debate on this programme, says O'Brien. We don't debate climate science. There is no consensus as to what is responsible for our changing weather systems. There isn't any of course, O'Brien and his pals in the mainstream media would have you believe there's a consensus, but there isn't. I've interviewed hundreds of scientists over the years with letters coming out of their arses. Real universities, Ivy League, not sponsored by BP, not sponsored by Shell, genuine people, and they look at me and they say, it's bollocks, Richie. But of course, scientists don't say that. They say, Richie, there's no evidence. 0.04% and we only contribute 4% to that. And long before the Industrial Revolution, there were times when there was far more CO2 in the atmosphere than there is now. Explain that one. Uh, the sun, the sun, the sun, the sun, the sun. You want to hear propaganda? Ben Wallace is the UK Defence Secretary. He was on Sky News this morning speaking with Mark 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 Austin. Listen to the question from the Sky presenter. Do you think he's crazy enough to instigate a nuclear conflict? Fantastic, huh? That's journalism in 2022. Imagine. Do you think he's crazy enough to instigate a nuclear conflict? This is the president of the Russian Federation. You might not like the man. You might think he's a bit of an arse. You might not like Russia. But do your job, man. You, you can't be saying stuff like that. No, I, I, I think he has certainly done a lot of irrational things recently. Uh, obviously, first and foremost, the invasion of Ukraine against all the advice, all the uh, international lobbying. Uh, I think uh, I'm not going to speculate on what he would or wouldn't do, but that's why we all keep our deterrence at a state of readiness in the West to make sure that we can deter. Yes, Austin, the presenter, wasn't to be put off. But do you think a cornered President Putin uh, would be a dangerous man? I think he's a dangerous man now. Yeah, leave that one there as well. I don't know what to do with the audio. I've, I've got so much audio banked today. I don't know what to do with it. There is a climate change story on richieallen.co.uk. It might interest you, it might not. There are some facts in there, factoids. Did you catch the BBC's Sunday morning political talk show no longer presented by Andrew Marr because he's decamped? He's decamped to LBC Radio. Good riddance to him. Did you see yesterday morning the Foreign Secretary Liz Truss said that if British citizens living here, if they fancy going to Ukraine to pick up a gun, well, they should do. 
I don't need to play you the clip. She did say it. It's out there. She said, yeah, this is madness, right? There are laws against this type of thing, in fact. As some people know, including some of these ISIS brides, you, you can't do that. It's terrorism. Even if it's Ukraine, it's terrorism. You as a British citizen or me as an Irish citizen shouldn't go to Ukraine and pick up a weapon. There are laws against that. But the lunatic that is Liz Truss, she said, well, if you feel like it and you're bored, shitless, why not go to Ukraine and get involved? Uh, Tobias Elwood is a Tory MP, a colleague of Liz Truss's. He was on BBC Politics at lunchtime and... There's a great episode in Band of Brothers that you might recall where the, those who... Band of Brothers. ...been on uh, the front line for, for almost years, in fact, months or years, did not want to know the new recruits that came through because they didn't last very long, because you know, they, they would make mistakes, they weren't you know, battle-ready as such. And my real concern was that 18-year-olds could see this, think they're doing a good thing, go there well-intentioned, and not only put themselves at risk, but others around them. Please, do not go to Ukraine unless you have some form of, of combat experience. Right, well, that's in uh, direct contradiction to Liz Truss. I, I mean, look, I get why people would want to go and defend their country, I understand that. Um, but I think having untrained people uh, going to a country uh, where they can't even read the road signs, they're a liability. They'll get themselves killed, they'll get other people killed. Um, I don't think that's uh, the, the appropriate way forward. What I do think is that this trust needs to focus on the job that she's meant to be doing rather than talking tough, as she seems to consistently be doing, um, because she's auditioning for the Prime Minister's job. Yeah, Labour MP Clive Lewis is there before that. You heard Tobias Elwood. It's vaudevillian. It is positively vaudeville for a Secretary of State to go on television and to say to the nation, well few hundred thousand people anyway. If you fancy a good old knees up in Ukraine, a good old dust up, a good old roll around the floor with some Russian soldiers, why not head off? Off you go. And bon voyage. Godspeed to you. Do it for England, said Liz Truss. Uh, Tobias Elwood saying, no, maybe not. Clive Lewis saying, you won't even be able to read the road signs over there. So don't be stupid, stupid. Stay home. Just stay home. 22 minutes past the hour. Richie Allen with you till 7 o'clock Monday's programme, the 28th of February 2022. Winter is over. Doesn't feel like it though, it's raining. That's and Cogs in Salford. It's dark, it's grim, it's miserable, but we've got each other. Dr. Jane Dunnigan joins me after this from Joy Division. That is Joy Division and love will tear us apart. 25 minutes past five, Monday's Richie Allen Show. Thanks for joining me. Lots and lots of messages on the website already. It's Comment Live. I, I think you know that, but i like to remind you. Top of the page, Comment Live. Uh, dozens and dozens of comments coming in already. A lot of excitement about my first guest, and I'm delighted she's agreed to come back on the programme, because when she came on um, about a year and a half ago, we had a group call, didn't we, with with Jackie and, and others, Jackie Devoy. Uh, she was terrific. And um, just before we welcome her back, let me read you this very briefly. This is, um, I got this from The Telegraph this morning. So the decision to lock down the country in March 2020 was based on poor modelling and inaccurate case numbers. Now, The Telegraph newspaper used a freedom of information request to see the minutes of the SPY-M meetings, and that's the Scientific Pandemic Influenza Group on modelling. So The Telegraph got to see some minutes of uh, some very important meetings that led, which led to 
lockdown. Now, the minutes show that by mid-March 2020, modellers were still uncertain of case numbers due to data limitations. The uh, government took the decision to go into lockdown in any case. Now, you will probably remember that last August, 133 doctors, nurses, psychiatrists, paramedics and midwives signed a letter, signed a very important letter to the Prime Minister, an open letter, calling for an open and proper scientific debate about the pandemic policy, arguing that COVID restrictions were based on flawed assumptions. That was August. This is today. To talk about this and other matters, I'm delighted to welcome back to the programme Dr Jane Dunnigan. Jane, welcome back. How are you? Now, you might have your microphone muted inadvertently. I think you do, because I can hear something now. Are you there, Jane? No, I don't think Jane is there. Yeah, it's a relatively new setup, computer setup, that manages phone and Skype, which are separate things, but they're controlled through one system. It's complicated. It's very good. It's very sophisticated, but it's complicated. And it's gone down. No amount of rebooting it is going to do anything. So Dr. Jane Dunnigan has been lovely and says, Richie, I'll be back tomorrow at the same time. Techie issues sorted. Uh, that's lovely because she's um, really important is Jane Dunnigan, Dr Jane and uh, I've just reached out to uh, Garod who I was really looking forward to hearing from as well <laughs> I could cry, what did I say at the beginning of this programme this is one of those days went to bed fairly early, fairly sober last night, read a bit of a book the old, the old German shepherd, she'd been pooing liquid, I mean I mean you're probably eating something. You might be, depending on where you are in the world. So I won't get too descriptive or too graphic. But it's not great, right? It's not great. It's it's like projectile diarrhea, right? And God love her. Um, pretty much every few minutes all night long, she demanded that I take her downstairs and leave her out. That was the entire night now. No exaggeration. And I was all right and spent the day working on the programme and uh, said to myself, you'll be okay. You'll have an early night tonight. And now we have these techie problems. Blooming heck, eh? Uh, 16 minutes to the top of the hour. The Richie Allen Show for Monday. That's the only disadvantage, really. I did an interview for a magazine recently. If I remember, I'll tell you which one it is, because I think it's online, about the independent media. And they were asking me about disadvantages. And I couldn't really think of one, because... All I can see is advantages. You have your own studio. It's old bells and whistles. The best microphones in the world. They really are. They really are. The best computer systems, the best mixing desks, the best broadcast console. You've got it all. And you can choose who you talk to, when you talk to them, and about what subjects you like. I couldn't think of a disadvantage, but then one came to me. And I said, well... Don't have any engineers on site, you know, like you would do in radio. I can remember the gentlemen, they were always men who worked in engineering during my commercial radio days. They were within arm's length should something go down. (laughs) Because before I was more experienced than I am now, falling off the air, which is the terminology used in radio, falling off the air. They use the same terminology in television. That's the biggest fear, that everything will go wrong. 
that the music you have queued up doesn't play, that your guest doesn't appear, then you've got to fill the time all by yourself. He used to be terrified of that. Everyone was. But you had an engineer. We had a guy called Andy was a genius. I remember he came to Dublin with us one time in his big blaster caster, which was like a transformer. Remember Robots in Disguise? It was a big massive Heineken truck which did that transformer thing. You moved it around a little bit and all of a sudden it was a beautiful radio studio that could be anywhere. Out in a big field for a country show in the country, or at the opening of a play by a Waterford playwright at the Abbey Theatre in Dublin. And I remember he was there this morning. We went live from Dublin and things were going wrong and he was as cool as a breeze. Yeah, but I don't have one to hand. Paul Ripley will come and help me out, no doubt. But for the moment, sadly, it's just you and it's just me talking. It's just us talking and nobody else. Damn! What are you going to do, eh? There was a time when I used to let this stuff get right on top of me. Be really pissed off. There are those, of course, who will take to social media now and say that Richie's being sabotaged. It's got to be the 77th. It must be MI5. No, it isn't. It isn't. It happens. Shit happens sometimes. And you improvise, adapt and overcome. Or you throw all your toys out of the pram. Throw your milkshake at the window. Scream abuse at nobody. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So there you go. I'll read some of your comments. Got nothing else to do. It's richieallen.co.uk. Comment live at the top of the page. I am Richie Allen, the BBG. It is Monday. Maybe I'm getting punished for erroneously claiming it's the end of the winter. Maybe. Because the weather people and the seasonal people, they tell you March 20th is the beginning of spring. But I don't buy it. I go month to month. For me, winter is November no, it isn't. It's December, January, February, February. That's my winter. Once you're out to February, my whole demeanour changes. My whole outlook on life changes. No, it doesn't. I'm the same miserable, curmudgeonly bastard that I always am. But, uh, but I smile a bit more once we get out of February. And I've noticed this year, it must be because climate change is rampant. I, I say this, I, I'm very serious when I say this. I have not had to mind my step while running on the pavement around Salford like I did last year. Now, maybe there'll be a bit of a freeze, maybe, in the next week or so. But not one time this winter have I had to try and avoid breaking my neck on a very slippery, icy footpath, which is the norm. You know, you get certain trainers, don't you? You pay a fortune for the trainers. And you hope you'll have a bit more grip. But when I'm basically a baby giraffe, I don't know if you've ever seen me. I'm a baby giraffe, right? Uh, Peter Crouch, I'm the baby giraffe. Uh, gangly all over the place, long, thin legs. Uh, slipping on the pavement on the footpath is a common thing. Not this winter, not a single time has it been icy. Must, climate change must be true then, maybe. I'll have to revise my opinion on climate change. Pandora says, uh, do an idiocracy, she says, and lead, follow, or get out the way. Luke is not supposed to get out of the way, she says. I don't get that, but thanks. Thanks, you helped me kill seven seconds there, Pandora. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Lovely. Wayne enjoyed the, uh, the, the David Soul record there, although we did hear, didn't we? We played David Soul on a Sunday morning melodies thing. 
we did learn that David wasn't exactly the nicest guy to meet if you were a fan. You wouldn't want to meet him at one of these comic con con things now. Have you ever been to one of those comic con things? I'm always telling Jean Anne if you want an extra few, Bob. Now Jean Anne Crowley, my actress friend, dropping a few names here, is has is not and has never been motivated by money. Not interested in it. That's not her energy. But we all need it from time to time. Otherwise, there are certain things, right, you can't do. Not having money is a barrier to certain aspirations, right? Well, Jean Ann was, was chatting with me the first time she came over to Manchester. I met her in town in, in Portland Street. She was coming up from a hairdresser's. Now, I don't know much about hairdressers because I've not had very much hair for a number of years. But I would guess that underground hairdressers, maybe maybe you'd be best to advise any hairdressers you have to walk down from street level to get to. Anyway, up she emerged from a hairdresser's. First time we met, having communicated online for some time, we went around the corner to a pub and proceeded to get pissed right up, as is the style of the time, or was the style of the time. And we were chatting about her great career in theatre, in television and in film. And I asked her, had she ever considered doing the comic con thing? The comic con thing is, if you were ever in anything, like science fiction or, or, or anything, even anything, it doesn't have to be science fiction, it could be television drama, it could be television thriller, it could be anything. There, there are actors and actresses who make quite a tidy living going around the world, appearing at conventions, which are attended by, <clears throat> not to put too fine a point on it, geeks, absolute geeks, nerds, nerds, right, who live these television shows and movies, live them. I saw a photograph in one of the national newspapers today of a Comic-Con convention. I don't know if it took place in London over the weekend or Birmingham or Manchester, and they were all running around dressed up as Star Wars characters. And listen, they're harmless. God love them. They don't do any harm to anybody, do they? At the end of the day. But anyway, our Jean Anne was in a memorable double episode of Doctor Who. She was also in Tenko, which is a drama set in Singapore, set during the Second World War, when British people living in Singapore were rounded up and stuck in a concentration camp. And Jean Ann played Nurse Nelly in Tenko. She was very good with uh, Stephanie Beecham, who I had a major crush on when I was young in the 80s. She was in, she was in the Colby, Stephanie Beecham. So I said to Jean Ann, have you ever thought of doing that? They'd love you. She played a queen or something in that Doctor Who episode. She had a, an outrageous rig out on her, a great costume with a big, I don't know, a big collar and a big flowing dress. But she said, no, I don't have any. She wasn't looking down. She wasn't, wasn't being snobby now or anything. She just said, no, I think she might have been invited to do one of them and, and, and I think turned it down. Great friend of mine from Fallowfield, Michael. Hope he's not listening to this because Michael is a geek and would never miss a comic con, ever. Not sure he goes dressed up as anybody or anything, but he loves these comic cons. Well, I've often, over the years living in Manchester, bumped into them during the summers, they have them in the the old GMEX centre in Manchester and you'll go, if you happen to be in town on the given day the Comic Con is on, you will be 
well, you'll be surrounded by them everywhere, dressed up as aliens and characters from Spider-Man films and Batman films and, and all the rest of it. Listen, thanks for your, for your comments. I'm going to read a few of them now. Got to kill time, folks. Got to kill time. Got time to kill. I suppose we could do a Q&A, couldn't we? John says, uh, for me, spring starts on Valentine's Day. If it's a rainy night, he says, I, I notice the frogs crossing the road as I drive to my girlfriends with chocolates and flowers. If it's frosty, they'll wait another week, but I won't, he says. Yes. Hi to Paul, who says, uh, chin up, he says. Uh, it's great to have you on the air. Give over, Paul. Pull your tongue out of my arse, old Paul. Thanks, Paul. That's very nice of you. Uh, Craig says the earlier Romans would have agreed with you, Richie. For them, the year began with March, after the dead, undesignated winter months came to an end. Uh, by that calendar, September was the seventh month, October the eighth month, and December the tenth and last month. But I'm sure you know that, he says. Now, I do have an interview with uh, Norman from Wigan, which uh, I could have played in the absence of Jane and Garode. The problem is it needs a little tweaking, a bit of topping and tailing, that's all, which I haven't gotten around to yet. But I am planning on playing it this week, so that's why I'm not digging myself out with that. But I don't want to just throw that in, you see, because it's important. Uh, Incendiary says, Richie, apparently when acceptance of climate change reaches critical mass, it rains Bacardi for six years, six months and six weeks. Now looking for future bias on the show regarding this issue. Darren says Liz Truss is spreading up the world depopulation agenda by the looks of it. Looks like she may replace Putin on the World Economic Forum list. As today someone said the Russian leader has been deleted from that list. Has he really? Hi to Mike Rocock in County Down. How are you doing, Mike? Spring starts at the end of the Six Nations, he says. Fact. Fact, says Mike. He's not having it. Uh, March comes in like a lion and out like a lamb. Thank you. Hi to William. He says geoengineering. Hi to Ruth. Ruth, is that you? Is that our Ruth? She says, Richie, very bad floods here in Brisbane. Freeways closed, schools closed, shops closed, no bread or fruit, mass shortages, several people dead, people being evacuated to centres, people losing their homes, churches are open 24-7 and people are arriving with sleeping bags. I didn't see that today, Ruth. She says we're expecting more extreme rainfall over the next week after Wednesday. I've opened my home as I have two spare bedrooms with double beds. Well done, Ruth. Worse than 2011, she says. They found a crane in the river. Terrible. I'm okay, though, she says. I'm on higher ground, but staying home. Plenty of supplies here, she says. Keep us in your thoughts and prayers. It's one crisis after another, says Ruth. 2019 bushfires, so-called COVID, so-called COVID wars, and now flooding. These are not good times. Sending love to everyone, including all the listeners. It is our Ruth. Ruth is a friend of mine. How are you doing, Ruth? And uh, Ruth has a great and very deep faith. So she does. And I wonder, those of you who share Ruth's very deep faith, do, do, you, draw some, do you draw some parallels with the things we are witnessing at the moment and your understanding of the Bible, do you? Uh, I'm not setting you up for a punchline, by the way. I have the utmost respect for people who have faith. I know nothing, only what I feel. 
Uh, so I don't think I know any better than you. Do you draw a parallel with what is going on now around the world? Wars, COVID scams, jabs that are unnecessary, being given to people, many of whom are being harmed by said jabs, and all that's going on. Ruth mentioned the bushfires there. We talk about California. If you are a person of faith, do you draw a parallel with real-world events and your knowledge of your Bible? Let me know. That's one for a phone-in, isn't it? Isn't it? Eh? I would have thought so. That's one for a phone-in. Three minutes to six o'clock, the Richie Allen Show for Monday. All by myself. I don't want to be. But sure I am. And that's just the end of it. Improvise, adapt and, and overcome. Now, if only I had... I thought about doing that for the crack. But, but with no money. Because gambling is frowned upon. I thought about printing off bingo cards on the website. Just for a rainy day, you know. That if this had happened another time. That there was a communications breakdown. And I was left on me Todd with you. Just me and you. That we might play... BBG bingo or something. Get some bingo cards printed out on the website. I could get one of those bowl machines. You know, one of those machines that you have. You know, one of those machines that you put the balls in and it spins like the lottery and then you take out a ball. That'd be good fun, wouldn't it? Eh? Number 11, legs 11. But how would you tell me bingo then? You see, I don't think these things ahead. That's the problem with me. I don't think ahead. How would you tell me bingo or check as they say in Ireland. Because the Irish are mad, you see. The Irish just can't do it like everybody else. Oh, no. No, check. What the fuck is that? Americans must be in bingo in Ireland. Going, what? What? Check? What? What's she talking about? The time is 90 seconds to the top of the hour. This is Glenn Campbell. Gentle on my mind. And I'm just dragging out random tracks. If I've played it before, I'm sorry. Shut up. I said shut up about it. Nothing I can do. I'm flying, I'm flying blind here, so I am. Gentle on my mind, yeah, great track. I've just heard from Garodo Colmón, a very gracious man, you see, the Irish, we're very laid back. He'll be with me tomorrow, as will Jane Donegan. We'll have a Monday reset tomorrow. Dr. Jane and Garod, a Monday reset. That's what we'll have. We'll just pretend this never happened today. That's what I'll do in any case. Yeah, bingo. Did you ever go to bingo with your grandmother? Did you? I did. Oh, yeah. Did a few times. Geniuses. They missed a trick, didn't they? NASA. NASA missed a trick, didn't they? they they'd have gotten to the moon much, much, much earlier if they just sent a few scouts to a few bingo halls in, in St. John's Park in Waterford City or Ballymun in Dublin and looked at some of those women playing 22 bingo cards. How's that even possible? She used to get several bingo cards when I played with her. Six or seven of them. I'm not lying. I'm not exaggerating it for, for, for the gag. She really did six or seven of them. And then amazingly would say, you have five. What? You have five. Right. I have five. Do I? You have five. Amazing ability to, to look at numbers, to read data in real time. Almost computer speed. Women, Irish women playing bingo in the old uh, parish halls back in the day. I used to love that, so I did. I, I did last time I, I did it in 2010. I was in Nottingham in 2010. 
and I very nearly ended up with a bar, with a pub in Nottingham. Very, very nearly did. Would you believe it? And uh, so I basically had a try before you buy situation. So ran the pub for several weeks, got on well with the locals, got on well with the staff, was enjoying it. But it kind of really wasn't for us. But I did go to bingo one night with some of the old, older ladies who would come in for a few baby shams and cherries. They said, oh, you have to come to bingo with us, Richie. So I went to bingo. I think I went to Gala Bingo in Nottingham. Had a great night. Great night. So I did. Yes. Brilliant. Lovely. Um, keep those comments coming in. Save me. I'm drowning. I'm drowning. John says, Paddy and Mick walk past the sign that says, Three fellers wanted. Damn it, says Paddy. There's only two of us. <laughs> Be jeepers. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Pony says, Richie, can you play a song called Love Parade from the Derry Boys, The Undertones? It has a 60s psychedelic dance feeling with Sharky's haunting vocals. Give over, Paulie. I might and I might not. I'll have a look in a moment. Hi to Lucy Lockett, who says, Richie, our 19-year-old daughter took the poison jab on the 9th of February 2022 to go on holiday with her jabbed boyfriend. We're so upset because she held off this long and then went and got it for a holiday, she says. Do you think holidays will happen this summer? I think they might, Lucy. As to what the rules will be from country to country, once it gets, once we get to summertime, that's anybody's guess. But it's sad t- to read that. We saw some of that last year, didn't we? April, May time. People who didn't want to get jabbed, didn't plan on it, didn't think they needed the jabs, but were so desperate to get out of the country, to get to the Costa del Sol or Lanzarote or Turkey or wherever that they gave in and they had the jab and that's terrible. Really terrible. Lucy, she'll be all right. Don't sweat it, you know. She's young. And when you hear about these injuries, Lucy, remember, the the jabs won't injure everyone. They won't. You can't, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. She's an adult and she is responsible for her own past, isn't she? We've, we've had this in our own family in my extended family my French family we've had this very thing Caroline's sister has had the jabs she's a young woman just like Caroline so has her mum great ladies Caroline was stressed for five minutes loves her mum and her sister and then she said look they and they alone are responsible for their own journey and love them anyway None of them have had any side effects so far. And please God, that will uh, remain that way. David came on, David Keane. David loves winding me up. I don't know why, because listen, I don't mind anyway. He says, the Bible explains flat earth. It's in the Bible. A great friend in Spain one time. We were sitting in a pizzeria in Spain near Estepona, having some lovely pizza. We had a night off, so we were out. Glorious weather, late September, I remember. And this guy was an East End, a, a, a West, a West Ender, a London West Ender, and he had he had his ways and he had his opinions, very strong opinions about things. Older man, right? You get where I'm going with this. And he didn't um, he didn't have much time for gay people. And his son and his son's friend were chastising 
the dad about his antiquated positions on sexuality. Quite right and all. And I'm not trying to score points with anybody. That's the way it always has been over the years. Dads and mums have their way of seeing things. Younger people see things different and the younger people chastise them and say, ah, you're so not with the times. So the sons were giving him shite. The man's name was Chris. They were saying, give over. Nothing wrong with being gay. One of the lad's friends was gay. He'd only come out, I think. So uh, Chris was saying, it's not right. It's not right. (laughs) It's not right. (laughs) They were taking the piss out of him. So he was getting a bit vexed because nobody at the table was taking his side at all. So in the end, he got wound up and they were saying, well, where'd you get this from then? Where'd you get this from? This idea that there's something wrong with with being gay. And he roared out, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. When did you last go to church, Chris? Never. That's right. You never went to church in your life. So don't be bringing the Bible into it. Nothing to do with the Bible. Steve says, Richie, I watched your deep dive on Iconic. Thanks, Steve. Presented by Richard Willett. Great guy is Richard. And uh, I enjoy doing that. I don't do very much like that. It's nice to be invited. He says, it was interesting to listen to you being interviewed rather than being the interviewer, he says. Thank you, Steve. Um, He's now working his notice, is Steve, from the National Health Service. They will be one less clinical research nurse from May. Uh, He says, I feel so liberated by not having to work in their groupthink environment. Stephen Lincoln. Steve is on the programme, aren't you, Steve? Of course. Uh, Thanks for that. Uh, John says, mask mandate ended today in Ireland, Richie. It did, John. I did see that on rte.ie. Paul says, I wonder was COVID just an exercise to prep the minds of the public for an upcoming world war? Using words like frontline workers, mask mandates, social distancing, etc. That's Paul C. That's interesting, Paul C. Paul Smith says, I remember Beecham's ample rhythm section, a must for actresses in the good old days, Beecham, uh, Caroline Monroe, Sophia Loren. Yes, Paul, those were the days. Uh, Let's scroll on down. Alice says, what a beautiful day here today in Tipperary. Trevor says, Jean-Anne was great in Riley, Ace of Spies. Yes, she was. And if memory serves... I think she told me that Sam Neill, the, the, the actor, was a, a top lad, good lad. They got on very well. He was a generous actor, apparently, Jean Ann told me. He was also in The Final Conflict, wasn't he? Omen 3. He played a very menacing Damien Thorne. That scared the piss out of me when I was a, a kid. The Omen trilogy. I was probably more spooked by the second one. Omen to particularly the opening scene. Remember when the old man Bugenhagen, Carl Bugenhagen, is somewhere in the Middle East and they're excavating stuff. There's a wall. What's the name of the wall? Oh, what's the name of the wall? It's a wall that's supposed to have a painting on it that shows the faces of the Antichrist. Yes, yes. Is it Yazeel's wall or something? Yagale's wall, is it? I can't remember anyway. Anyway, Bugenhagen is down underground at the beginning of the film. And next thing, the, the raven appears. And that crazy music that scares the piss out of you. That omen music. Uh, and, and you just, yeah, demonic, demonic stuff. 
The church had plenty to say about the omen, didn't didn't it? The church back in the day didn't like it very much at all. No Name says, Richie, are you aware that Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky uh, in Canada was, ar- was arrested weeks ago and is still in jail? I was, and I did mention it. In fact, uh, I texted him some weeks ago, uh, the Rev, and he was due to come back on the programme. The, the, excuse me, the pastor was due to come back on the programme. So I don't know. Yes. Cool. Bob says, can we have a mention on listening and podcast numbers, please, Richie? What do you mean, Bob? A mention on listening and podcast numbers, please. Um, the show has a lot of listeners. And it has lots of podcast listeners, too. Lots and lots. I've not looked at the stats for a while, but uh, they're pretty pretty healthy at the moment. Despite the, the, the problems, some podcast providers have dropped the programme. Others are editing it. That's fine. We knew that day would come. But the at the moment... Um, the, the, the numbers are very good. Yeah, very good. Very, very good, in fact. It's uh, 12 minutes past six. Can't believe I'm still here. You're listening to The Richie Allen Show for uh, Monday. If you've just joined me and you're wondering, why is there no content? Where is the editorial? Well, I've got no phone system. Got no communication system at all, at all, at all. It's down. And there ain't a damn thing I can do about it. Until my great friend, Mr. Ripley, the very talented Mr. Ripley, gets his hairy arse over here in his car and fixes it for me. Yeah. He gave me three or four fixes, you know. Like, if it happens, it might be this, 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 or this. I ran through this, 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 and this. Made no difference. Made no odds. Rebooted, made no odds. So it's something which might be a bit serious. He'll come out tomorrow, hopefully. Maybe tonight, Probably tomorrow. He'll sort it out. He'll sort it out. And then we'll uh, we'll be good to go tomorrow. Yeah, but I was looking forward to Dr. Jane Dunnigan and to Garota Colmon too. I was, I was, I was. But these things happen. And, uh, you know, shit happens. Shit happens. Shit happens. Shit happens indeed. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. That's me, the world's most popular independent news radio show. And uh, and, you, and if you don't like it, you can lump it, is what I say. 13 and a half minutes past, past six, yeah. I did see a comment earlier on. I was going to read it out, but I've lost it now. It was a critical comment, and I like a critical comic. A co- co- comment, even. I like a critical comment, uh, because it's, the Richie Allen website is like the Carlsberg Complaints Department. You don't see too many criticisms, which is a sad thing, really. When I started doing this programme, I got lots of abuse from listeners, and I, I liked it, because I'm, I'm, I'm well used to it, right? After doing many, many, many years in broadcasting, you learn to just enjoy that and laugh at it, because that's really all you can do, really. And I, I, I took great... Um, I went to great, not to great lengths, but I made sure I always read them out. I don't see too many these days. And it's not because I'm not, I mean, I, I do look for them. But somebody had a go at me for not knowing what's going on in Ukraine. But why would you have a go at me for not knowing what's going on in Ukraine? What's, what's wrong with that? And then in the comment I read, which I was going to read out, uh, the person didn't offer me any explanation of what's going on in Ukraine. I don't know what's going on. 
I don't know why, if the Russian military was ordered to take Kiev, why it didn't succeed so far in taking Kiev. Kiev, Kiev, they're saying on the television. Is, is that how I should pronounce it? Kiev. Kiev or Kiev. We, we used to say Kiev. Dynamo Kiev. Um, I don't know what's going on. I've never subscribed to the idea that Vladimir Putin was a good guy. And that, you know, he was some great thorn in the sides of the the elites, the globalists, the oligarchs, whatever you want to call them. Now, that being said, of course, uh, Putin's government has taken steps over the years that we were grateful for, namely his support of Bashar al-Assad in Syria. But again, my question, it's the same question I've been asking since I had my own disturbance my own disturbance in the mid-2000s when I realised that things weren't as they seem. My question is, who is pulling Vladimir Putin's strings? Do you think he's autonomous? Is Russia the only country in the world that is run by those elected to run it? I would say probably not. But that's my guess. So I don't know what's going on. It doesn't vex me at all. It doesn't frustrate me. I'll just watch what's going on and maybe I'll an, an opinion or two will form as to what's really going on. I put out some ideas today on the website as to what might be going on, what the Ukraine crisis might be really about in terms of its in terms of its um connection to other agendas that we talk about all the time on this particular show. I don't know. You tell me. I will read the comments out. You tell me. I won't belittle you. I won't tell you you're wrong, because I don't know. You might very well be right. Uh, my, my my pal David might be right. The earth might be flat. But I don't think he is. Hi to Davy. He says, maybe you've been hit with a cyber attack. Uh, anyhow, all Russian teams out of Europe and the World Cup, says Davy. Uh, it's not a cyber attack, Davy. I'm sure of it. But yes, the, I mean, the Russia bashing is uh, only to be expected. Nothing new in that. To see football... Did you see that crap on television yesterday? That festival of virtue signalling at Wembley Stadium. Liverpool played Chelsea in the first cup final, the first domestic final of the year, the Carabao Cup final. Carabao is an energy drink, apparently. I've never had it. To my shame, I do... Indulge in the odd, that's three, five and seven, uh, energy drinks. They're not great. I know, but I indulge in the occasional one. I've never had Carabao. So Liverpool, Liverpool played Chelsea, Carabao Cup final. Very, very entertaining game of football. Two excellent teams. Very attacking. Nil-nil. Nil-nil. Uh, a great nil-nil. They went to penalties. Everybody scored. And one of the keepers missed. So Liverpool got the cup. But the crap that went on beforehand with the Wembley Arch being turned blue and yellow for Ukraine, with people in the crowd applauding and, and holding up posters, not Ukrainians now, dipsticks from, from, from Liverpool and dipsticks from Kensington, Muppets, how easy it is to manipulate people. 
How easy it is to get people to dance like puppets and to do what you want them to do. You know, I'd hate to be one of those people. And then it dawned on me, you were one of those people before your disturbance. You'd have done the same shit before your... I hate the term awakening. Before my disturbance. Of course I would have done. But now I look at them and I pity them. To be so controllable, you know. We tell you to dance and you just dance. We tell you to wear colours and to, to stand there in a stadium looking very forlorn about poor old Ukraine. And like dickheads, you do it. You do exactly what we tell you. No individuality. Nobody's saying, well, this is a load of bollocks anyway, isn't it? You know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Like, you know, it's been Putin and Russia bashing morning, noon and night now for weeks. Kick him out of the Olympics. Kick him out of the World Cup. But sure, the athletes haven't done anything to anybody. How the fuck is that justice? The, the cheek of, of Tom Tugendhat, that toxic neo-Zionist scumbag who uh, used to head up the uh, Foreign Affairs Select Committee. Maybe he still does. I can't remember. And all the rest of them talking about how virtuous the West is, how virtuous the UK is, how just we are here, and how very scummy Putin is and, and Russia. But hang on a second, even if you're telling the truth, where's the justice in kicking athletes out of, out of, a, out of a sport, out, out of a, a competition? What did they do to you, these men and women? Nothing. Even if Putin is a bad bastard, and I don't think he is, or at least he's not any more bad than the scumbag that sits in 10 Downing Street, you don't blame the people for any military incursion. Did we blame the... I, I was living in, in, in Ireland at the time when I lived in Waterford at the beginning of the invasion of Iraq in 2003. Did I blame English people for that? Were English people to blame for the murder of a million people in Iraq and the displacement of millions more? I'm Irish. You might be English. Was it your fault, was it? Of course it wasn't your fault. You might have been in Trafalgar Square, in Leicester Square, with a million others saying not in our name. Don't go and bomb the beleaguered people of Iraq. Don't go and kill them. Don't do that. You don't blame the Russians, regardless of who's right or who's wrong in Ukraine. But yeah, it's been Russia bashing from morning till, till night time with very little, if any, attempt at balance. The BBC did an extraordinary thing the other day. I meant to grab the audio and play it for you. Just to explain again. I know you're bored, I know. I know when I give you these media lectures, I know you're bored out of... I bore the arse off you with the media lectures. I know I do. But sometimes they give you such wonderful examples. Last uh, Thursday, or Friday, the, the breakfast programme on the BBC. So they interviewed a British man in Ukraine. Obviously. English speaking, obviously, because he's British. Very eloquent. I don't know where they got the guy. Very eloquent. Putin is terrible. Ukraine will survive and uh, we love Ukraine. All this second shit, right, anyway. They brought academics on. They brought politicians on to, to demonise Russia, to attack Vladimir Putin, all that propaganda. And then they brought on a woman from Moscow for a bit of balance whose name escapes me an academic. And dear listener, please believe me, 
when this woman was chosen specifically for the fact that she could barely string two words of English together. I would imagine a very intelligent woman, but her command of our mother tongue was abysmal. And I know enough about the legacy media, having gone through it, to know that is deliberate. That is disgusting. Who have we got? Well, let's have a look around. Ah, there's a woman, she's mouthing off in Moscow. Bring her on. And even better, she can barely speak English. Let's bring her on. Onto a national news programme on national radio in the UK. And I meant to grab the audio and play it for you because it's just sickening. You know, and, and the idea that presenters would be part of that, that they would have no shame. I'm a flawed character. I'm not perfect. Jesus Christ. No way am I perfect. No way am I virtuous. But I have a bit of decency in me. I've always been a decent sort, you know. I couldn't be party to that. I couldn't sit there and and take whatever the salary is and, and just say nothing. You might, you might say, that's easy, Rich. It's easy for you to say that. You know, the house, the mortgage, the four children, the 20-year-old the going to university. Listen, I didn't have any of that when I walked away from commercial radio because I couldn't stomach it. I couldn't stomach that shit. I couldn't be a part of it. And that's when, when I made my decision to walk away. Yeah, they brought this woman on from Moscow. They said she was a professor of something or other from a university in Moscow. They didn't say Moscow University. And the lady, the lady was, it was very difficult for her um, to make herself understood because her command of the language is so bad. And it was cringe. And they kept her on. You know, planting the idea in the minds of the listeners that, you know, these are a, these are a primitive people. You know, these are a strange people, these Russians. These are a dark people. These are a dangerous people. And it was crap. And um, I suppose if I had time, I could probably dig it out now, but I won't because I've made the point already. I won't labour the point. 25 minutes past six, Monday's Richie Allen Show, the 28th of Feb, 2022. With me, the BBG. I'm all by myself. Thanks. If you're still with me, by the way, thanks. You might not be. If you're not, you split arse bastard. This is Ace, and how long has this been going on? From 1970, God knows what, I've no idea. But it's a good old tune, this. Gotta give a big shout out to my great friend Mark Boyerski and to thank him from the bottom of my heart for his support for this programme, but also for the independent media. Uh, wider, he's a terrific bloke, is Mark. He announced on the programme last week that up until tomorrow at six o'clock, anyone who buys an audiobook or an e-book on his website, markbyersky.com, he'll send every penny of the proceeds to this programme. Uh, he understands that things are very difficult for people right now. I do as well. This is why I very rarely solicit your support. I'm not virtue signalling here, but be honest. I don't, do I? Very, very, very rarely. Uh, do I do that? Because I know that things are tight for people. And they especially are tight now as energy bills and petrol uh, prices are skyrocketing and people are terrified. And obviously support for things like this, for projects like the Richie Allen Show, support is, um, is low 
at the moment, fair enough. And Mark said, Richie, um, I'll do that until tomorrow, Tuesday at six o'clock, I think. So anyone buying an e-book or an audiobook there, the proceeds go to the Richie Allen Show. Massive thanks to Mark Bajerski. His website is markbajerski.com. That's Mark, B-A-J-E-R-S-K-I.com. Check him out on YouTube as well. His uh, videos are terrific. He's a great guy, very funny, very natural. And he does some, has some very interesting conversations with people. You can watch it all for free on YouTube. Thank you, Mark. Now, my pal Spiro Skouras has been in touch. How are you doing, Spiro? Ironically, Spiro sent me an email overnight and he said, Rich, um, if you're stuck today, I'll jump in with you because I've got a few things to say on what's happening in Ukraine. Of course, Spiro Skouras is always welcome, but um, I was full with Dr. Jane and with Garod. And then, of course, we had the, 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 the explosion with the software... But Spiro will be back any time he wants to be back. He sent me a link on Twitter uh, to uh, Leilani. I think Leilani interviewed me a few weeks ago for an iconic programme. I'm pretty sure she did Leilani. Anyway, Leilani has posted a clip from Fox News where a Ukrainian member of parliament says something... Very, very interesting indeed. Uh, for the rest of us that aren't Ukrainians, I think the world, quite frankly, Kira, is surprised by the will of the Ukrainian people to stand up and fight. Are you? Well, I'm not surprised. I, uh, we have been fighting uh, Putin for the last eight years, and we had three revolutions in our country when we did not agree with what was going on with uh, the direction of where we're moving in. But right now, it's a critical time because we know that we not only fight for Ukraine, we fight for this new world order for the democratic countries. We fight for the new world order said the Ukrainian MP, whose name I can't bring you, but she is a Ukrainian MP. She was pictured looking very fetching with what looks like an assault rifle. I see a few of these pictures today. A former Miss Ukraine has been photographed by the media standing, looking very sexy, in downtown Kiev, or Kiev, with a, with a rifle, with all the gear on her. Do you see those photographs as well? Propaganda. The propaganda is relentless. You, you just cannot take anything you, you see or read or hear with, um, well, you can't take it seriously, or at least you should take everything with a pretty large pinch of salt. Thank you, Spiro. In fact, he sent me a couple of more clips. I think Spiro Skouras is a very, very good guy and a very good journalist. I think he's hankering for the production job here. <laughs> we'll have to raise some money to prize Spiro away, and then he wouldn't be producing, would he? We'd have to get him co-presenting with the Baldy Gammon. We'll, we'll, we'll get a super group going. A super group radio show. <laughs> Who the hell would be in that? I wouldn't be in it anyway. That's for sure. And, and this, I did see this today on, in or on, in the Times newspaper. The former health secretary, Matt Hancock, did a podcast, or does a podcast, and he says something very funny in one of these podcasts about his extramarital affair because Matt Hancock's a bit of a dirty bastard. That's what we say in Ireland. There's nothing dirty about sex, but for some reason in Ireland, we've, we always put the prefix dirty before anything sexual. That must be Catholic guilt. It must be down to the fact that when we are young, we're constantly... It, it's reinforced in our little brains when we're young 
that anything amorous is dirty. Honestly, that's the way it is in Ireland when you're growing up. The dirty bastard. That's what they say about guys. So he had an affair, did he? Did he? Was that girl in accounts, did he? Just after he slept, was that girl in personnel, did he? He's a dirty bastard. Why do we say that instead of saying, he's a lucky bastard? He's doing all right, isn't he? Anyway, Matt Hancock, speaking on some podcast or others. Thanks for this, Spiro. Yeah, go on then. I resigned because I broke the social distancing guidelines. Yeah. Um, By then, they weren't actually rules. They weren't the law. But that's not the point. The point is they were the guidelines that I'd been proposing. And, you know, that happened because... I fell in love with somebody <laughs> and you know, I, I've known Gina for more than half of my life. And we first actually worked together on student radio, um, back in. You worked on radio, Matt. You could have fooled me, pal, with that wonderful delivery. In the Oxford days. And, um, I brought her into the department to help with public communications. In no, no, you didn't. You brought her into the department to shag the arse off of horror. Tell the truth. We were starting to build a little rapport there with you, Matt. Starting to find a little bit of respect for you. We brought loads of brilliant people in who were experts in their field. Um, and so we spent a lot of time together. Sure you did. Ironically, trying to you know, get me to be able to communicate in a more emotionally intelligent way. And, and, uh, and we fell in love. And... You know, that's something... Are you getting sick too? ...that that, that was completely outside of my control. Um, and I, of course, I I regret the, you know, the, the pain that that's caused. I hope your wife takes you to the fucking cleaners, Matthew. That's what I hope. Yeah, Matt Hancock there. Keep them coming, Spiro, keep them coming. Back to the comments, richieallen.co.uk. It's comment live, top of the menu bar. Oh, God, what time is it now? 24 minutes. I'm like Vito in The Sopranos. Remember gay Vito, who had to flee Jersey because he was uh, seen in a leather bar? Did you ever see The Sopranos? You can't be gay in the military. Excuse me. You can be gay in the military. There used to be a don't ask, don't tell. You cannot be gay in the mafia because they'll kill you because they have, again, very antiquated points of view or very antiquated positions on same-sex relationships. And in The Sopranos, in one of the very later seasons, Vito Spatafore, if I remember, he has to flee Jersey because some gangsters see him in a gay bar, in a leather bar, doing his thing. And... uh, he knows he's going to be killed, so he gets the hell out of town. And he has to go and work construction to make some money. But now you see, he's had the life of Riley as a gangster. Going to nightclubs and playing Russian, not Russian roulette, good God, playing roulette and playing poker and basically living the life of a, a gangster, the charmed life. Then he finds himself in, in construction somewhere in the middle of nowhere, in backwater USA. And there's a very funny scene where he's bored, witless by the job, but he's terrified to look at his watch because it feels like he's been on the job forever. And he thinks, if I look at my watch now, I won't, I won't, I won't look at my watch. And when I do look at my watch, time will have moved on. But then impatience gets the better of him 
He looks at his watch and lets out some expletives because only 20 minutes has passed. I've kind of been like that today. I've been glancing at the atomic clock in the studio from time to time, thinking, is it 7 o'clock yet? Is it 7 o'clock yet? Is it 7 o'clock yet? I actually haven't been. I don't know why I said that. I love your company. Thanks for keeping me company. Craig says, so Hancock employed specialists in their field. Well, we all know which little field of growth he had his eyes on, says Craig. That's right. Dye says, just dug up all my Russian comfrey and banished it from my herb patch. I'm, I've done my bit for the war effort now. Have a nice, says Dye. My Russian comfrey. Very good. Al says, you can be gay in the mafia. It's called theatre, darling. Indeed. Vicky says Hancock is a shite actor. Remember his tears over his gran? I do. I remember him trying to fake tears of emotion when the first jab was administered to a a dear, a little dear, a little old dear, little lady. Can't remember her name. Margaret something or other, maybe. Last year, last December. Excuse me, December 2020, was it? Yeah. He was on Good Morning Britain and he wanted to look really emotional at the part that he'd played in getting the jabs out there. And because he's utterly useless, Hancock, at everything, he screwed that up as well. Abdel calls him many names. Thank you, Abdul. Uh, Red Green says, it sounds like a Derrick and Clive sketch. Kean says, Mr. Hancock is a blubbering fool, or Matt Hancock's a blubbering fool. Thank you. Thank you. Red Green says, good idea. He comes back to say, extend the station with other presenters such as Spira. I won't be doing that ever. Uh, and, and that's got nothing to do with Spira. I will never be extending anything because I don't own a radio station. I'm an autonomous dude. This is a one-off programme presented every day, but it's presented out of my home. It isn't on a station. There are many reasons for that to do with basically staying, not staying alive, but... To, to keep the show alive, can't be part of any station or anything like that, and I can't have a linear schedule. I can't be putting other people on the air and calling it a radio station because the minute I do that, I'm in trouble. I've spoken about this before. I've explained it. So I, I'd love to have people like Spiro making content for me, but Spiro makes plenty of good content for himself. So he does. Christopher says the Russian women's football final... The other day, the Russians were not allowed to fly their flag or play the anthem and there was only cold water in the showers. Boom, boom. I'm only joking about the cold water, he says. Rob says, have you seen Ofcom? I've just said they are looking into programmes on RT under due impartiality rules. More silencing by government authorities. Thank you, Rob. Yes, last week, the leader of the Labour Party, the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer, I'll be damned if I'm calling any man, sir. No chance. As Starmer, uh, speaking in the House of Commons, asked Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, what did he plan to do about RT and getting rid of it? Johnson gave a ridiculous answer. He said, well, we're in a, we're in a country where we, we value free speech. And then the rotund wretched, rotten bastard Johnson said in the same sentence, we don't do stuff like that because we like free speech. But, but, he said, the culture secretary is looking into it. She's written to Ofcom. What a dipstick. That's right, they want to get rid of RT. 
<clears throat> Excuse me. Hi to my pal Patricia in Zurich. How are you doing, Patricia? Staying with you, Rich, she says. Even after a sleepless diarrhea night, she says. Well worth it. Thanks, Patricia. That's friendship for you right there. I'm hanging on in there. 18 minutes to seven. <laughs> I'm hanging in there. Should I brag? Should I? No, because it won't mean anything to you anyway. If I do, you won't like me if I brag. Um, you will not find a single presenter on commercial radio here or in the United States that could do what I've done in the last 90 minutes. They couldn't do it. They don't have the gumption. They don't have the moxie. They don't have the talent to do it. They just don't. If you don't script every single thing for them, every single fucking thing, they are lost. They are hopeless. Gone. My mate Jean Ann Crowley would tell you that. She worked in radio, amongst her many achievements. There isn't a presenter in commercial radio anywhere in the world that would stay on the air with nothing, with no guests, with no editorial. They wouldn't. It would, it would paralyse them. I've seen it. I saw it with my own presenter. And I loved the man. When anything went wrong, when anything went down, he couldn't, could, couldn't handle it. I used to say to him in his um, earphones, in his cans, I would say, just have a chat. No. Get me some content, producer. And I would have to get him some content. Whereas when things go tits up for me, well, things have gone tits up. Just have a chat. Talk bollocks. You've had a lifetime's experience at it. If there was a talking bollocks uh, sport in the Olympics, I'd be four-time defending champion. You and I know that. I'd have won them all. Have you heard anything about the pillaging of Ukrainian money via the Ukraine banks, Richie, to the Biden family? I haven't, Keen. I haven't, mate. You obviously have. Is it true? I don't know. You have to take everything, particularly... Uh, obviously in the mainstream media, but the independent media is just as bad. Come on. The independent media is beset on all sides by clickbait specialists. If you don't believe me, ask my learned friend Spiro. We've been talking about this for years. There are people who'll tell you anything if it gets you on their website. That's been a real... It's been a real battle, that, for, you know, for real journalists in the independent media, dealing with all of that clickbait shit, you know. So look, how would they even know that, you know, even if it is true? Yes. Yes. Pod Save England says, personally, I'm critical of Richie because I love him. Thanks very much. Just the same as I am about my own family. Otherwise, as Richie would say, I wouldn't give an arse. Big love. It was Pod who said, who was taking the piss out of me for, for exclaiming, as I did, that I don't know what's going on in Ukraine. But I don't, Pod. What do you want me to say? Do you want me to make it up? Do you want me to do that? Lots of people do that. They, they go on YouTube with their little channels and tell you the way it is. I don't tell you the way it is. It's not my job to do that. To tell you how to think. I haven't a fucking clue what's going on. This came out of the blue, this. This invasion. If it is an invasion. This tanks rolling in on three fronts, heading for big cities. What the fuck, right? I don't know what's going on. And if he wanted Kiev, wouldn't he be there already? Wouldn't he? I don't know. Maybe I'll get up out of bed in the morning to find out that 
tanks are on the outskirts of you of, of Kiev and I hope that's not the case because don't ever forget and I'm not saying this to Pod of course not I'm saying it to you and to anybody else who's listening people die people get blown to pieces we are cannon fodder for the architects of these agendas they don't give a rat's arse about us about killing great numbers of us so whoever is pulling the strings in Ukraine or in Russia, the fact is thousands of people like you and me will die. Thousands more will have their homes razed to the ground and will have to run into southern Europe or northern Europe where they won't be wanted. That's what happens in war. Elites do what elites do to manipulate our our opinions, to shape the world in the dystopian fashion they've been doing since Moses was in short trousers. While they're doing that, millions of the little guys, that's me, that's you, we get killed. I often wonder if it's luck or if it's design that I was born in Ireland and lived in, in Spain and then lived in England. Look or by design? I believe it's look. Happenstance. You or I could quite easily have been born in Afghanistan. Nearly 40 years, invaders have been pounding the living shit out of Afghanistan and killing men, women and children there for 40 years, more than 40 years. We could have had that reality, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is design. Although why it would be by design that I was born in Waterford, I have no idea. We're all special, but none of us are more special than the person standing next to us. We're all unique, aren't we? What does David say? We're all totally unique, energetic beings. We, we On some level, we know everything that ever was. We are everything that can be, that was. We are capable of of anything, these, these totally unique energetic beings that we are. So why were some people born with that reality and others born with, with, with my reality? Philosophical question. I don't know the answer. Graham tells me I'm not boring the arse off of him. Thank you, Graham. What is it now? 12 minutes to the top of the hour. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know how it's going to play out. can only guess, like you. I don't think the, the jabbing issue is going away. I really don't. It's quietened down, hasn't it? I noticed even this morning, as I was running down Liverpool Street, there is a jabatoir right next to a primary school on Liverpool Street, Salford. Quiet today. And I think it was quiet last Friday. Last Thursday. Even last week I think it was quiet. Up to that point there were cars everywhere. Constantly. A stream through February of people going in there. Presumably for jab three. Jab four maybe. But that's quietened down. What's going to happen now? I don't know. I don't believe it's gone away. Somebody said to me, maybe Richie, maybe they're delighted with the number, excuse me, with the numbers they've already jabbed. Maybe they're thrilled. Maybe they didn't expect they would get to jab so many. Maybe they had a ballpark figure. 
of people, a number of people, they wanted to get three jabs into. Maybe. Maybe now they're happy. For a year or two, maybe. That's what somebody said to me recently. And again, that person might be right, because what the hell do I know? Nada. But I suspect, even though it's only a feeling, that my erstwhile friend might be wrong. That it's going to come back again this winter, this autumn, with new COVID booster jabs. Maybe a variant. Do you think they'll try that shit again this winter? Do you think they'll pull that stunt again? You know, they didn't pull it this winter, just gone. They came out with Omicron. And then they said, oh, don't worry about it, it's not too bad. Boris Johnson, to some, appeared to be almost heroic because he stood up to stage the scientific advisory group on emergencies, Chris Whitty, Patrick Valance and others, right, they wanted to lock down this winter, just gone. This winter we're still in. They wanted to lock down. Johnson said no, so to some, momentarily, he looked like he was a bit of a hero. I didn't buy any of that. I didn't. And I think it's very plausible. There will be variants this coming winter. There are those who tell me, friends of mine, that maybe after three, four, and five jabs, because... They are planning to give jab number five to the so-called vulnerable this coming autumn. Some of my friends have said to me privately, Richie, when jab number five has gone in, then maybe we'll see the serious medical issues that Dolores Cahill is very worried about, that Sucharit Bakdi is very worried about, and others. And maybe that avalanche of health problems caused by the jabs in the winter to come, next winter, maybe that will be blamed on some new disease, maybe. Or a new variant that's just absolutely off the charts deadly. I don't know. Didn't I talk on the programme a couple of weeks back? Didn't I write an article about it? They're saying that avian flu is going to be a massive problem this coming winter. Bird flu. Massive problem, they said. Look it up. Look it up on my website. I nicked it from the Telegraph. They're talking about making jabs for it. So it's uh, plausible that as we get into August, September 2022, they start saying, well, you'll need your COVID booster. You'll need your flu jab. We've got a bird flu jab as well. And maybe the very vulnerable, the people with the comorbidities, Maybe that'll finish many of them off, maybe. These are all maybes and um, suppositions. I don't bloody well know. Do you know what? I feel very comfortable not knowing stuff. I think, I don't know about you. I wouldn't say it about you because I don't know you well enough. But um, we can all be a bit of a know-all when we're younger, in our 20s. Mid-20s, late 20s. I think we know everything. Very satisfied, very smug, thinking about what we know. But um, I don't know very much. Nothing makes sense to me anymore. And I'm quite comfortable just not knowing. I don't have to know. I'm not consumed by desire that I have to know. And I suppose the reason is because I, I know that I just can't know. I can suspect and I can speak to very smart people. 
and they've got some very well knitted together analysis of these things and they tell me and I think you might be right but I know that they don't know for certain either and I'm comfortable with that I'm like yeah alright Bolly, you don't know but keep talking about it keep talking anyway chatting about it demystify it demythologize it speak to people listen to people maybe you'll get to some understanding eventually I'm not sure I will to be honest with you we know where they want to take this stuff, where they want to take us as, as, as a civilization. We know what they have planned for us. It's out in the open now. They used to laugh at David Icke and Jim Mars. And, I mean, they really did laugh at them. Idiots, crazy guys, tinfoil hat. Now it's all happening. It's all happening, that stuff they said would happen in their books to excellent writers. Rest in peace, Jim. What would Jim make of this, eh? Jim died a few years ago. He died pre-COVID. A few years before COVID. Loved him. Loved every bit of him. Loved the bones of Jim. What would he have made of this? The great Texan gentleman with his fabulous beard and his twinkly eyes and his lovely hats. God love Jim, eh? What would Jim be saying now? What would he be saying? He'd be coming on to talk to me, wouldn't he? Jim, we must have done hundreds of interviews and he'd have some answers, Jim. He'd have some ideas, He'd have some ideas with Jim Mars. He would have written about it. Certainly would have published a book about it. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, I tell you, dear listener, um, I've managed to beat my pre-existing world record for talking monumental bollocks for the longest time. Um, will you call Guinness or will I call Guinness? Me, it'll be up to me. It'll be up to me to call. I'll call Guinness, and I'll tell them. Then might send me a, a plaque. For talking absolute garbage. Spiros, thanks for your most recent emails. I'm just seeing them now, my friend. Thanks for those clips earlier on. Check out Spiros Kouras on YouTube and on activistpost.com. You will also find him on Twitter. There's only one Spiros Kouras. So there is. Well then, all being well and tech problems being sorted, as I have no doubt they will be. Hang on a second. Ah, Paul Ripley has just sent me a text message at service there with a smile. Now, all being well, tomorrow, as in tomorrow, Tuesday, we'll have a reset. We don't want to use that term, do we? We'll have a global reset. <laughs> we'll have a Richie Allen show reset. Uh, Dr. Jane Donegan will join me tomorrow, as will Gerardo Colmon. Thank God for that. If I did book people in for Tuesday and they happen to be listening, I'll Email you later on. We might have to rearrange. Shit happens and uh, and then you die, I suppose. I suppose, I suppose. I'm going to close out today's programme with a tune from the great Gypsy Kings. If you're still listening, God bless you. Thanks for staying with me. For putting up with your BBG. We'll do it all again tomorrow. And uh, in the meantime, as I mention often, do take care of yourselves and one another. I will edit this take out the attempts to connect to Jane. I will edit out the attempts to connect to Jane, uh, to Dr. Jane Dunnigan, and I will put it up on Podomatic, even though it's a load of bollocks. All right? All righty. There's no critic like a self-critic. That's what I always say anyway. Thank you. Au revoir. Au Wiedersehen. Guten Abend. Sláin I speak four languages. I'm a polyglot. Good night and thanks again to Mark Boyerski. 
markbyersky.com thanks to Spiro good on you Spiro bye bye cuando se marea Dolores cuando se cae